Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v Back on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM, hour number two from our South Point Sportsbook studio. I'm Ben Wilson filling in for the vacationing Patrick Maher. We've got Wes Reynolds in studio, Michael Lombardi, back on, I believe, Thursday. And uh, mm-hmm. Wes, we've got a lot to talk about. Hour number two. We will have to get uh, you and get every, I don't know, you don't have to necessarily come to a conclusion on your picks for the baseball betting right. platform, but we'll at least we'll run through the card a little bit later in the show, see if there's anything Wes likes, and, get his picks in. And if the camera is out of focus, I apologize, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, because I happen to run into it during the break. I, I run into things. Like, I, I am the biggest klutz here at Visa. It's okay. Nobody can tell. We have a great crew downstairs. Rob Moreno, he was like... They've got it handled. Probably, like I said, it takes a village uh, when you got me on down the desk. There, he's like, oh, well, it's classic West. got to refocus again. <laughs> West trying to make sure we've got all the, the TVs here in, uh, in, in proper order. Uh, one baseball game about to get started again. That is the first of a doubleheader uh, between the White Sox and Guardians. And seeing this is going to close at a $1.65 price in favor of Cleveland. Total of eight little juice to the over there at minus 115. Shane Bieber for the Guardians. Uh, and Davis Martin there, the rookie for the White Sox, again, with the, uh, if you're just joining us here, out of the lineup today in game one, A.J. Pollock, Luis Robert for the White Sox, and for Cleveland, Josh Naylor, not in there uh, today. So you did not have a play on this one, Wes, no. neither did I. Maybe slight lean first five on Bieber and the Guardians, but again, you'd have to lay uh, a pretty a pretty decent number in the minus 165, uh, 170 range. So let us instead, as we'll talk more baseball in a little bit, we'll also continue our discussion on the AFC South. We'll do our deep dive breakdowns of the Jaguars and Texans and then our overall thoughts on that division. We'll do that later this hour as well, but let's go some, uh, some rapid fire here. Golf thoughts on the open championship. We started our, our overall deep dive breakdown here, Wes, and uh, you and Brady Cannon will be recording long shots a little bit later today. That podcast will be available uh, by the end of the day here from Beeson, but let's uh, look further down the board. I know we talked at the start, some of these top guys, the Xander Shoffley's Rory McIlroy's guys who are at the top of the odds board. Who are a couple guys that just jump off the page to you when you're looking at long shots for this week, as I know you're still doing the deep dive, coming up with your card, who, who's going to intrigue you there that has some value? Okay, we're going down the board here for this one? Yeah. Okay, uh, well, one I'm probably going to play uh, that's going to be a triple digits, and I know we're always tempted to kind of, you know, get these triple digit shots, right. and, you know, we all remember, of course, uh, Ben Curtis uh, when he won back in 2003, but when you really look at who's won this thing, you don't get really a ton of long shots necessarily that win this, uh, you know, at least 
I'm not saying you don't get long prices. You'll always get at least some contenders here. There's always going to be a few guys. Like last year, Dylan Fratelli was on the first page of the board. He ended up at fifth. I think he was 275 to one. Mackenzie Hughes right behind him in six at 350. Back in 2019, Tony Finau was third at 80 to one. Uh, Robert McIntyre tied for six, 200 to one. So you will get those guys. So, you know, when you're betting that, maybe go half and half. Maybe go half on an outright and go half on like a top 10 or a top five, depending on how many places uh, your books offer. So, you know, when you're just betting outrights, you got to keep in mind that these are class players. If you look at the recent winners of the Open Championship, Colin Marikawa, who was a champion golfer of the year last year at Royal St. George, he was fourth in the world ranking. Shane Lowry in 2019 at Royal Port Rush, he was 33rd. Molinari in 2018 at Carnoustie was 15th in the world. Spieth at Royal Birkdale was uh, third in the world, one in 2017. Stenson was sixth. Zach Johnson, who last won the last event here at St. Andrews, was 25th in the world. Rory was eighth in the world. Mickelson was sixth in the world. You kind of get the idea at least in recent years, you've seen guys kind of in that top 20, top 30, top 30 in the world golf, golf ranking. So it is tough to go down the board. And, you know, you want to use a long shot or two, but you don't want to necessarily, I think, go way down the board with that, this one. But, uh, yeah. but one guy I am going to use that's going to be on my card this week is Thomas Peters. And I'm trying to get kind of a market average for you on the price. Thomas Peters, two straight top tens coming in, was in that playoff. Uh, he lost to Hall. Tom Lee a couple weeks ago in Munich at the BMW International. Really talented guy. I think we all remember him on the Ryder Cup where him and Rory McIlroy were unbeatable on that European team that did lose to the American team in Hazeltine. But what a great pairing that was. So Thomas Peters, I believe it at a couple places you can get well over a hundred to one. I think one thirty to one at DraftKings might have been the highest yeah, that I saw. Yeah, right MGM now. has him at one twenty five. So. Thomas Peters is a guy that I think can hit the board and, and was a respectable T27 at the U.S. Open, and he kind of fits the Open Championship. Like what I was talking about last hour with Matt Fitzpatrick, he really fits the U.S. Mm -hmm. Open because he's a guy that's kind of a grinder, avoids three putts, you know, scrambles very well, and that's what you have to do at the U.S. Open because the U.S. Open is never going to be like a birdie fest. Like a guy like Fitzpatrick, you don't see him win tournaments at 22 to 25 under, but he's the perfect for a U.S. Open, whereas I think Thomas Peters kind of fits the Open Championship the best of all four majors because, simply put, it's wide open. He can hit it big off the tee. He knows where to place his shots, so I think his distance is really going to help him this week. And, you know, it's more wide open. He can be a little bit more creative. And Thomas Peters has shown well in majors before, too. He was right there, I think, at Bell Reeve in, in uh, St. Louis, not mm -hmm. too far from where you went to college. Uh, and he was right there. I think that was won by Brooks Kepka that year. But he was right there in the mix. He was there in the mix a few years ago at the Masters. So... That's what I think you want to look at when you're looking at long shots. You know, some guys with decent form that doesn't jump off the page, you know, might not have been like the runner up right. or top five the week before. But uh, looking a little bit down the board, I did like Thomas Peters, 125, 130 to one ish. Uh, and, uh, you know, a couple other guys that you can get 95 to one. I've seen as high on Adam Scott. Oh, who I think yeah. is a proven player should have won. One of my most painful golf feature losses, by the way, was Adam Scott all those years ago at the open championship mm -hmm. where he remember when he bogeyed each of the last four holes, I think it, what was it? It was 2012 at Royal Lytham and Adam Scott had a four shot lead. Ernie Ells got in the clubhouse like two, two and a half hours before Adam Scott did. It was in the final bearing. Adam Scott bogeys all the last four holes, doesn't get the win, but he seemed like he's in pretty good shape. Hasn't really played a lot today. You know, now that he's turned 40, he's trying to kind of prioritize certain tournaments and, you know, playing at least a little bit more of a limited schedule. So Adam Scott is somebody that you can get 80, 90 ish to one. I don't know if there's any hundreds out there, but those are two longer shots that will be on my card. And we will hear more longer shots on the long shots show. Uh, we also have some matchups. I want to just rifle through these kind of kind of rapid fire. Wes, I know we had Will Hill talking. Uh, we'll, we'll throw all these up here, but uh, Will Hill was just talking. Sam Burns, we, we've also discussed as well, at least uh, toward the, the top of the card, Matt Fitzpatrick, what we expect out of those guys. Let's go down from there. Two guys I really like coming into this weekend. These are on my both on my preliminary list. And again, we discussed some of our criteria earlier, Wes, but 
for those just joining, like driving distance will be big. Guys who can hit the ball certainly a long way on this wide open track around the greens. Three-putt avoidance, though, uh, is going to be certainly big with how large these greens are. Guys who have good short games and, and who have some sort of form on either, either at the Open Championship or comparable length-style courses are all sort of things I'm looking at uh, this week, Wes, to, to kind of emphasize here. And two guys who jump out on the page in, 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 in all those categories, really, Justin Thomas and Shane Lowry, even uh, basically pick them there right now. Any Anybody you lean Boy, if we're looking at that matchup? That's a tough matchup. And actually, JT has drifted into the tw over 20 to 1 range, depending on which market you're looking at. So, you know, that's something that I actually used at the Players' Championship last year. I was like, when an elite player drifts above that, like, 20 to 1 threshold, whether it's Thomas or whether it's McElroy, then that's, like, where I get involved. Because then it's like, okay, because an elite player, you know, your Roms, your JTs, your Rory McElroy, Roy's elite players are never that far from winning. So I looked at that, but, but Shane Lowry, he's been getting some sneaky bets too. He was in the high twenties now seeing them pretty much 22 to one in the market. Shane Lowry has had a really good year this year and, and kind of very much under the radar. I believe he has three top three finishes, including a T three at the masters so far this year should have won the RBC heritage and kind of gave it away in the middle of the back nine, just hit a poor shit chip. And that took him out of it. Spieth beat can't lay in the playoff, but that that that's a matchup because I kind of like both guys and they're both matched up against yeah. each other and that's what you find. I mean, they're never going to match up somebody on an odds board that's like twenty to one versus a guy that's like eighty to one or something like that. So just looking though at at these that are on the graphic here and these are available at BetMGM, a uh, little bit of a big price delay against the champion golfer of the year and Colin Morikawa, but. Patrick can't lay if that dropped a little bit. I don't know. I'm not going to lay 145, right. but Patrick can't lay doesn't really hit on a lot of the models this week. A lot of the stats that I do for my column in terms of how I model this tournament, but I'm kind of going with my gut here. And that's the one thing against number four in the world. Patrick can't lay is that he's never really shown in majors very often. I think his best finish was T three at the masters in 2019, but I liked what I saw last week in Scotland. I think he kind of figured it out a little bit three under par round on Sunday that got him to a T four where he finished four under par. I think he finished three back of his buddy Shoffley, but Cantlay, maybe he kind of figured out the greens a little bit. And sometimes when a guy figures something out in that final round of the tournament before figured out these slow greens. The guy is a very good putter, even though you see him kind of always waggling like over the putt and right. shuffling his feet. Yeah. It's like, just go ahead and hit it, man. You're thinking too much about it. But Patrick Cantlay, I think, is a guy that's going to show very well this week. Cantley minus 145. Again, here are, are some of the tournament matchups that uh, we we compiled here. Again, these are tie no bets. So if it, if both players have the same final score, that would just be a, a draw and, and you'd push there. Uh, Cantley, by the, the way, is getting yeah. bet in the market and all the matchups against Cameron Smith, who's mm -hmm. another guy I like this week. He's getting bet against Zalatoris. So Cantley has been hit. So somebody out there likes Definitely. Patrick Cantley. No is it that Lee Corso thing? Somebody knows something that I don't know, and I'm <laughs> going with the someones. That might be the case here with Patrick that's, Cantley because he's been great. bet in every matchup on the screen this week. Hatton and Fleetwood, that was the last one. A couple of Euro guys. You, any lean uh, either on those? those Boy, two? Very good matchup there. I actually did bet Fleetwood on, on an outright. I got him in the 50 to 1 range. So uh, I would lean to him over Terrell Hatton. But Terrell Hatton, best in the world in three-putt avoidance. Uh, I actually kind of liked him last week. Disappointed at the Scottish. Finished just inside the top 20. But Tommy Fleetwood ended up T4. He's been coming along very slowly this year. Starting to play a yeah. little bit better golf. And one week, he's going to hit. Maybe it's going to be this week in St. Andrews. It'll be this week. We still have a lot more open championship discussion throughout the week here on, on, on the network. But up next, we'll go back to the AFC South on the Lombardi line. Get Wes's thoughts on the Texans and Jaguars. That is next. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 
Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. It is underway. VSIN is having its first ever baseball betting pentathlon every weekday show. And baseball analysts will be making five baseball bets over a span of four days to determine which show at VSIN is the best at betting baseball. Or analyst, in the case of maybe Wes Reynolds, who's 1 0 so far. We had the bet totals yesterday. Now, today we're betting both an underdog and a favorite. So, two picks today. Tomorrow, it'll be a team on the run line. And then Thursday, a prop bet. The winner is going to be announced Friday morning, July the 15th at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. On follow the money, Wes Reynolds, 1-0 so far. Good, good start, Wes. Uh, we're not going to go winless, at least. We're so, not going to go so, win- so we eliminated the goal. We were talking about yeah. that because you and uh, Matt, uh, primetime action stuff. So uh, you guys uh, got the win last night. But it was like, let's just get one on the board because, uh, you know, I had a minus 120 on the total thinking, okay, I'm betting minus 120 to win 100. But it's not the case. You're betting 100 to win whatever it is just to make, I guess, the scorekeeping easy. But yeah. that's one thing, you know, I... I always say, check your rules, check the house rules of where you're betting. And, you know, I'll bring in golf into this before we get into the meat of the segment Mm -hmm. here. We were talking off the air, and I know you don't do as many outrights. You do a little bit more props like top fives, top tens, or top 20s. One thing to keep in mind when I talk about you check your rules, you're going to get dead heats on some of those. So let's say you got somebody at like $6, plus $6, six to one to win or to be in the top 10, and there's a tie for 10th. And there's like a three-way tie. You don't necessarily get that six dollars. You get a chop pod. So if it's a two-way chop, you get like essentially three to one. So that's one thing, you know, for new betters that are betting golf that are probably going to bet out of their bet MGM or some other shops, and they're going to be able to bet these like top tens or top twenties and whatnot. Keep in mind. You know, when you say, hey, I didn't get the money back, the six to one, I got a top 10. I should have got, you know, $600 on a $100 bet. Keep in mind, check your rules. These are going to be chopped. So I know those questions. I get those questions all the time on Twitter and whatnot. So uh, just wanted to go ahead and clarify. No, absolutely. At least for the betting pentathlon, our strategy day one was like, we just want to win it. We don't really care. Let's put one on the board. Let's get one. Let's put it on the board. You can't win it on day one, but you can lose it. It's like a major championship. Exactly. And for us in, uh, in Nevada, at least with the golf, we, we don't have to deal with the dead heat rules, but we also, because the books do not really do that out here, right. <laughs> but yeah, we would also, help if they were offered, but the menu is not nearly as robust as what you get uh, rest of country. So that's a great, great uh, example for you. For those of you in, in the newer jurisdictions uh, mm-hmm. watching, listening to us today. And again, more golf coverage still to come, 
throughout the rest of the day on this network and then uh, certainly a lot tomorrow as well as we lead up to uh, the Open Championship. But let us continue our AFC South discussion, Wes. We kind of did our, our deep dive breakdowns talking Colts and Titans. Those are the two uh, presumptive favorites here. Colts are dollar five favorites to win the division. Titans second at plus 135. But a lot of thought, Wes, of the Jaguars could certainly be improved this year. You, you made mention of it uh, briefly earlier where their win total has been bet up. Now it's six and a half at this point. Seven to one third favorites here, the Jacksonville Jaguars to come out of the AFC South ESPN and pro football focus have them the 28th overall roster this season. Uh, you look at, uh, at Jacksonville. If, if we just go to, uh, if, if you look at kind of the offensive positional rankings here, 25th in the running back room, uh, heading into this year, 28th in the wide receiver room, and then 26th on the offensive line. Uh, however, when we say a team, we expect to improve, like, let's just consider how viscerally awful this team was last year mm -hmm. with a guy in urban Meyer who was fired mid season and just how hopeless they were at so many different positions, even though at least offensively, those don't jump out and, and defensively, it's not great either 28th at the defensive line position, 22nd uh, at the linebacking court lost miles Jack to, uh, to Pittsburgh as they try to rebuild there. And then 19th, that is their highest positional ranking from pro football focus in the secondary. Uh, but again, with the infrastructure, at least in a better spot, Wes, you would think that should at least help make up for some of well, these roster deficiencies. Well, one of the things I will say is that Shad Khan, the owner down there in Jacksonville, obviously, I think wants to win and he certainly spent a lot of money. We'll see if they spent it wisely. They spent a ton of money in free agency. I think uh, that wide receiver market just went crazy when, when they gave Christian Kirk that big contract out of Arizona. So, you know, essentially almost a new receiving core. You still have LaVisca Chenault, obviously mm -hmm. their, their draft pick their for their second round pick for 2020 out of Colorado, but they add Zay Jones from right here at the Las Vegas Raiders. Marvin Jones uh, is back with them for another season. Christian Kirk is signed. So they're trying to help Trevor Lawrence out and develop him. They get Brandon Scherf on a big contract to be there at right guard, uh, get him from the uh, Washington Commanders. And, uh, you know, young running back core, James Robinson and Travis Etienne, I think are going to try to be more of a one-two punch. Urban Meyer just never really seemed to take the James Robinson last year. And you always saw him kind of on the bench and him going with Carlos Hyde, who I know played for him at Ohio State. And that was a mistake. Uh, so uh, Travis Etienne, by the way, he also gets a new star because remember urban Meyer said we were interested in the Florida receiver Tony and it's like you know you don't want to put that out there you always want to say we got our guy even if you didn't get your guy because that's what all these GMs say we got our guy so you know Travis Etienne I think is going to be another guy that's very happy not to be playing for urban Meyer it is Doug Peterson now and an experienced staff I believe I, believe, I think it, is it Daryl Bevel I think Daryl Bevel or no, Daryl Bevel's not there anymore as offensive coordinator. He was actually there under Meyer. He was one of like the the adults that kind of tried to tell him, "Hey, boss, that doesn't go that way here. You know, you gotta <laughs> you gotta go right. ahead and figure it out." So, uh, uh, Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, and then uh, Jim Bob Cooter, longtime coordinator in the league, is the passing game coordinator. So, you know. I like the direction at least Jacksonville is going, getting Doug Peterson, and he's got the credibility of being a Super Bowl winning coach. Some of these guys they've drafted on the defense, though, do have to step up. Uh, we need Josh Allen from Kentucky to uh, live yeah. up to his first-round draft pick. He was a top-ten pick and, you know, have kind of a breakout year. Uh, they did, of course, draft Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, and then Trayvon Walker, the uh, number-one overall pick out of Georgia. So they drafted a little bit on potential there. But they've got some athleticism on that defensive side. I think that this team is going to be better. Now, six and a half, that was a little much, even though I think it's probably the right number. I would have maybe, if it was five and a half, I think it was a definite over because I do think that the schedule, at least, especially as you get later on in the season, is more manageable for Jacksonville. Right. The big question, too, if you're looking at, all right, we, we talk about infrastructure certainly seems better. Roster, while it might not be reflected in preseason positional rankings, they've at least tried things and taken some swings in free agency. But the big question is, what do we expect out of Trevor Lawrence and, and what do we think mm -hmm. he will look like in year number two? You know, the one thing you, you give him a lot of credit for, Wes, when you think about how bad the offensive line was around him, and it was certainly a bottom five graded offensive line in just about every category a season ago. And then their their best offensive lineman from last year, Brandon Linder, did retire in the offseason. But at least despite all that last year and given the struggles, Trevor Lawrence, he, he avoided sacks pretty well and was yeah. at least pretty mobile. Took a sack in only 14% of his pressure dropbacks. That was sixth out of the 32 quarterbacks who mm -hmm. qualified in that number last year. 
So he's at least been able to show elusiveness, mobility, and creating plays. And I think they want to use that too. Not that they want him to be Lamar Jackson and and run a lot, but they, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, despite the fact that he's a very big and tall guy, he can run a little bit. And you saw that a little bit in college, obviously going to the NFL is a completely different level with speeds of the defenses that he's facing. But this is a guy that can make some plays, you know, where it's like, okay, nothing's there. He can run for a first down. So I think, Doug Peterson is going to give him a chance to do that. And I just think the, uh, the, the offense you got to think is going to be so much better and at least a more cohesive unit, certainly. So uh, yeah, I, I think when you look at Jacksonville, just looking at that schedule, now it's tough to have three road games in the first four weeks, but you know, there's a lot of teams toward the back end where you've got some winnable games, even on the road. You get uh, the Titans twice. You go to Houston. You go to the Jets. You go to the Lions. So this is a team that's probably going to be out of the maybe out of the playoff chase early. But all of a sudden, at the end of the season, I could see this team going like five and one down the stretch, you know, and a team that's not going to mail it in because some teams, when they're out of it, mail it in. And then some teams don't. And the Jacksonville Jaguars seem to be a team that, you know what, even if it it goes tough and it goes sideways early on in the season. I think that they're absolutely going to stay with the season. I think that they're trying to build a culture down there. The culture, I think automatically just with Peterson and some new and some new staff in there is going to be substantially better. So you're going to see this team improve six and a half, maybe a little much. Maybe you look at in season win total. So, uh, but I, I am at least slightly bullish on the Jaguars going forward, at least slightly. Bullish. Yeah, I'm tepid, 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 tepidly tepid, bullish. A tepid bullish. <laughs> not a total buy, but not a total sell either. Oh, and if you look at the strength of schedule too, at least based on the Vegas win totals that Warren Sharp put together right after the schedules came out, and you look at the, the AFC South, Colts third easiest uh, strength of schedule this year. Jacksonville is 12th, so they have they have one mm-hmm. of the uh, favorable schedules at least in that division. Titans 21st, and then the Texans, who we're going to talk about next segment, Texans 28th in strength of schedule, even though that was yeah. uh, obviously a horrible team now, last year. What's going to be interesting is who's going to be their quarterback. I think it's going to be Davis Mills, but where is Jimmy G going to end up? I think is is kind of the next story. It was Baker Mayfield for the last three weeks, but where's Jimmy G going to go? San Francisco, I don't think they're going to trade him to Seattle, but are they going to cut him? There is a previous relationship, at least in Houston, with Nick Casario, who mm-hmm. was part of the staff that drafted him in New England out of Eastern Illinois. And then Cleveland, at least they have the money on the surface, I think $48 million under the cap. So uh, Houston might be one to watch for a potential Jimmy G destination. A, that is a, as a fascinating team with bringing in at least an experienced head coach in Lovey Smith, unlike what they had last year yeah. at, at their head coaching position. We'll discuss the Texans here up next, what we expect for them in 2022 and how will they shake out amidst this interesting uh, AFC South division. That's next. Then we'll get to Wes's baseball thoughts as we wrap up the show in the final half hour right here on the Lombardi line. Season is broadcasting live from the NBA Summer League all this week through July 17th. Catch the Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, live from the NBA Summer League every weekday. We'll also have special guests, exclusive content, and live updates all throughout Veasan shows. For more, follow us at Veasan Live on Twitter and at Veasan Live on YouTube. Uh, Jovan Buha, the uh, athletic beat reporter for the LA Lakers, is going to join us on primetime action tonight, which will be a lot of fun, Wes. So Some interesting right doings with that organization, I, I would say. I would say I would Especially say with that July 4th tweet from Jeannie Buss uh, where she had, a, you know, kind of a, kind of a, maybe a drop of a hint to a, a certain agent and a certain star player that kind of function as the co-GMs of that franchise, uh, yeah. lamenting how she missed Kobe and that Kobe would say the things that she feels she couldn't say even though she's the owner of the ball club Lakers are it's a fascinating yes. organization there's even even in the offseason there's always always things to talk about with the Lakers so we'll have a lot of those guests continuing uh, throughout the week uh, here Wes we're going to get into your baseball thoughts tomorrow again VEASAN baseball betting pentathlon got to have a favorite and an underdog today for all of our shows we'll, we'll figure out look at the card in our next segment see where we like value if, if there's any to be had on the card today but let us wrap up our AFC South discussion 
with the Houston Texans, who, look, at the very least, they anybody would say, would would be able to admit, Wes, it's an upgrade. You go from David Culley, who had zero mm-hmm. head coaching experience. And, and you know, way. to be fair to Culley, he was an NFL lifer, but he's right. a guy that got his first head coaching job, what was he, 63 last year? So And put into a pretty rough yeah, situation. Yeah, like, like, well. like not every guy can be a head coach. Some guys are coordinators and, and very good ones. So Culley was in a no-win situation, uh, but you're right, they do bring in at least Lovey Smith, who was the assistant head coach, and uh, Lovey Smith, you know, is he the guy to kind of get them forward? At least, you know, he's taken the Bears to the Super Bowl, so he has that credibility. Even it's been seven years since Lovey Smith was a head coach in the league, but yeah, you come in, and even though, look, on the surface, Wes, it's not uh, incredibly ideal. Texans by ESPN and, and Pro Football focuses their overall roster breakdowns, 32nd worst overall roster in the league coming into this year. But we remember they were by far the worst roster last year. So even though a lot of the positional preseason metrics have not changed necessarily for the Texans, and we run through them here, 22nd on the O-line, 30th in the wide receiver room, 32nd in the running back room with some pretty comical names. I mean, Marlon Mack is a <laughs> hello, Marlon Mack. He is mm-hmm. in that running back room, 30th on the defensive line, 31st in the linebacker room, and then 32nd in the secondary. Despite all of that, I don't get the sense, Wes, this is a, a totally hopeless uh, type of roster and team this year. I don't know if that's the addition of Lovey Smith, at least now that they have the whole Deshaun Watson saga behind them that kind of dominated the off-the-field storylines last year. Not four and a half is their win total. What do you expect out of Houston in 2020? Yeah, it is still very much a work in progress there. But no the doubt. one thing I will say for Houston, they are a year and a season removed from all the drama last year, because keep in mind, that was the year they lost J.J. Watt, and then, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and all the things came out about some of the players not liking uh, Jack Easterby, who was, you know, running the front office down there, and uh, now it's Nick Casario as general manager. But, you know, a lot of sore, a lot of sore players, uh, I, I think, and a lot of sore thoughts. So you just looked at Houston last year, and there just wasn't very much to look at. Easterby, by the way, still there as the EVP of football operations. But, you know, there was just a lot of discontent. I think on that team. And when you have star players, all of a sudden they want out and then add, add to that. We didn't even mention the Sean Watson situation that I think was a big time cloud over this team. So there, at least with that is the potential for improvement where I don't know if you're going to see it in the wins and loss columns. I don't necessarily have a season win recommendation or anything like that, but you're going to see, I think at least a little bit of an improved team on the field than you saw last year, just because there's a chance, you know, maybe you got some young, hungry guys like, okay, we're going to start this anew. We weren't with the old regime. We weren't mm-hmm. under the Bill O'Brien regime. We weren't with when J.J. Was, J.J. Watt was there and Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like this is our team now, and maybe we have a chance to make something out of this. So, uh, you know, just looking at what Houston did last year, I thought Davis Mills at least showed something that he at least has potential to play in this league. Now, whether they're going to – elect to go with the veteran and do a rental for Jimmy Garoppolo because this is the last year of his contract. So he's about $25 million. So we'll see if Houston maybe gets involved with that, or if they say, you know what, we're young, we're just going to go with Davis Mills. He showed a little bit of life this year. I think he got better throughout the season. Uh, they were four and 13 last year. So they're about projected to be the same. And, and what you mentioned at the top, Ben, with those rankings, there's just not a lot of talent on this roster. Now you look at who they drafted. They draft Stingley third, who mm-hmm. a lot of people maybe didn't have necessarily third and, you know, came off injuries at LSU, but had some really good pro days. So he really shot up the board. They add Kenyon green, the offensive guard out of Texas A&M. They had two first round picks, also two seconds at Petra, the safety out of Baylor, and then John Mechie receiver out of Alabama. So, you know, these young guys probably going to get a lot of reps early. You know, they're not going to necessarily be second and third string guys. So you're going to have to play a lot, a lot of young talent here. And you mentioned Marlon Mack. He is going to be the starter. Marlon Mack just kind of ran out of reps really in Indianapolis because all of a sudden you have Jonathan Taylor. You still have Naeem Himes, who is your return man, also a good pass catcher out of the backfield. So Marlon Mack was just kind of the odd man out, but I still think that he has some good football left in him.
we'll see if that is is the case. Could it be yeah. sense of sense of new life there in Houston? And you mentioned as well, so on the, the quarterback side, because we we don't really know where Jimmy Garoppolo will end up. We saw the report coming out yesterday uh, from NFL Network that league sources expect him to be traded by the end of this month, and we'll see if that actually ends up being the case. I know some of the offshore books had, uh, when they originally put up the odds, Texans were the favorite to be his next team. I'm not sure how those how those have changed now that Deshaun Watson's situation we know is more more up in the air, and we know that Baker Mayfield is out in Cleveland, and there at least appears to be momentum for the Browns needing somebody if they don't want to settle mm-hmm. on jo- Jacoby Brissett there to start the season. But if it isn't Garoppolo, like yep, I mean Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll, Kevin Hogan, the rest of that depth chart. What would you set the over-under on a number of games started for Davis Mills this year? A guy who was, well, he did show some bright spots, Wes, at the same time. I mean, the advanced metric show, he was pretty much a bottom 5, 10 quarterback in, right. in every regard. And he didn't year. have a lot of talent around him, no, to he be fair. Not. And really, he <laughs> no, still he doesn't. So, you know, I'd say nine and a half, yeah, probably. Uh, you know, because... I think eventually if you get poor play, then you're going to have to be like, well, we got to try something else because you got to show your fans, I think, in your base down there in Houston that you're trying. But, you know, this is going to be a while for this roster, I think, to be built up uh, over the years. You got to you got to build with young guys and you got to be patient a little bit with these guys. So, uh, you know, I, I think Bills of their options is their best option. And I know he is bottom five, but you're not behind the best offensive line. You don't exactly have game breakers necessarily at the skill positions. You got a lot of kind of middling veteran guys. He didn't have the luxury to throw to DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, Cooks when he was a lot younger. So, uh, right. But I do think, you know, if they don't go with Jimmy G, if they're not a player for this guy, then it's going to be Davis Mills. And I think they're going to try to give him every chance to be successful for what limited options they have. Right. And you look to, we, we had the discussion earlier on if it's not uh, the Colts and, uh, and Titans one, two, what, like what team would we think could potentially at least break into the top two? I know to kind of our, our general thoughts, Wes, you're not high on the Titans this year. Certainly think there could be a team that sneaks into that maybe second position. Colts Jaguars Colts, probably Jaguars would be, be if I was yeah. going a little bit down the board, because I think, what did we show earlier? It was minus 250 at yep. BetMGM Colts Titans obviously that makes a lot of sense you know or maybe some want to bet Titans Colts if they're a little bit higher on Tennessee but you know I, I would I would look Colts Jaguars I would like it a little more than 450 now I think maybe that there are some sharp guys that might be betting that might be a little bit higher on the Jaguars for the mentioned reasons we mentioned in the last segment just the culture change they have added more talent they were active in the free agent market probably overpaid but you're always going to overpay in free agency right. so uh, you know at least Jacksonville is trying to kind of remove just just the bad juju from last year with Meyer and his regime right but point being, though, your Texans could be slightly better, but it's not a team you'd be looking at to maybe break through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's doing it, a Texans Colts being in the t- at least Texans being somewhere yeah, in the top two, eighteen to one. I don't think the Texans are, are necessarily ready for that. Even though I do there. think they are going to show at least a little bit of improvement, just being removed from a lot of the drama and maybe just yeah. having Deshaun Watson at least. Okay, he's somebody else's problem right now. He's right. Cleveland's issue right now. He's not this organization or this franchise's issue. So at least having that distraction removed, I think can only be a good thing for Houston for this whole division. Then Colts nine and a half. If you had to make a, had to make a play. I think that's the right total. Right I'm total. not, not going to bet the over the way. I think you bet the Colts in this division. Just going back to what we said earlier. Don't bet, don't, don't bet them to, to make the playoffs at minus minus one ninety because just judging by this division, there's going to be one team and that's going to be the division winner. That's going to make the playoffs from the AFC South. Cause if, if you assume like Buffalo is the only one out of the East, then there's five more spots, you know, you're pro- you might get two out of the East. You probably for sure are getting two out of the West at the bare at the, minimum. The, yes, that's and the I think thought. you might get two out of the North at the bare minimum. So it's tough to see two two teams making the playoffs out of the South. Yeah, we're thinking Colts minus 105 to win the division. Lean under on Titans, nine and a half. Jaguars, yes. you, you like, but not at the six and yeah, a half. And, I'd uh, wait to tough. see if maybe some books uh, post in-season win in totals, season. and then maybe you'll get a team near the end of the season that perhaps wins out or gets on a streak at the end of the year. Sort of like the Jags, kind of, last year, at least at the very, very end. And then Texans, uh, four and a half. That's about right. Yeah, it's about right. All right, AFC South discussion. That was was a lot of fun, Wes. We're going to talk baseball up next. What is Wes looking at on the card? We'll discuss as we wrap up the Lombardi line right after this.
Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we're back for the final time on the Lombardi line, Ben Wilson joined by Wes Reynolds. Always a blast uh, hanging out with you, Wes, here on the desk. Time to talk some baseball because it is... A, day number two of the VEASAN baseball betting mm-hmm. half on. We have to come up with a favorite and a dog today. Wes, you don't have to make your official picks here on the show. I know you're still doing the deep dive here, but let, let us at least uh, discuss the card. And one game that you and I are maybe seeing a little bit differently that I think is fascinating for today, Astros and Angels. They start a, a series there uh, in Orange County tonight. And the Angels, who, what, they became, uh, they had some a bit of uh, infamy over the weekend where yeah. it was, what, the where they, they blew three straight games with a lead in the ninth inning or later. I think mm-hmm. they were, what, the fourth team in the last 20 years to have that happen to them, something like that in Major League history. Uh, dog today, Noah Syndergaard on the mound against the uh, the Astros and Luis Garcia, who are just absolutely running away with that division at the moment. You look at the updated standings now, both of those teams uh, off yesterday. But uh, coming into today, Astros with a 12-game lead in the division. And the Angels all of a sudden are sitting at a 71-win pace. Remember, they were yeah. 84 and a half on the preseason win total. Uh, my, my initial lean here was the favorite, but you might uh, kind of like the dog well, here. Well, uh, I haven't really decided. That was at least my first look, and I know why. You know, people would like the Astros considering that Syndergaard won five. They're they're one and five in his last six starts. And look, you've got a Halos team that's two and eight. They got swept in in Baltimore, uh, lost uh, their last four. So 
you know, you're, you're looking at this, and Syndergaard is a different pitcher now. He's not a pitcher that really necessarily strikes as many guys out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they they just they haven't really been able to hit righties really really that well this year. Syndergaard's allowed at least two runs in each of his last three outings, so he's not pitching poorly. But the Angels just aren't giving him any run support. And when when you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, you're like, oh, that's absurd. How could they not give you run support? But, you know, that's kind of all they have, at least when you look at the lineup, it being that Rendon's uh, out for the interim with that hand injury. So, you know, but I looked at the price and I was like, why are the Astros only like minus 120 yeah. here? Like, shouldn't they be like a dollar 40 or something like that? So that kind of struck me a little bit. That was just one that was a lean. That's not necessarily something that I have bet yet. Right. It's funny because I think overnight that was in the 130, 135 range. So yeah. it has come down a little action there on the Angels. And uh, look, I, I am a big Luis Garcia fan. He's coming off a, a tough out and gave up five earned in his last start. But he's been a guy who in general has been really good on, on the basis of the year. And he's been good following bad starts. He's had three different outings this year where he's come off of a five run, five earned run uh, outing. And then the next start, he's been, he's been good at combined 17 and a third innings, five earned runs allowed combined in those three starts. So he's been really good in a bounce back role. And I, like I look at, at an angel team West that is 30th in WRC plus last in the league, the last month mm-hmm. against righties. I mean, they're just, and you pointed it out with the lineup that is so top heavy and weak. Yeah. There's no consistency. So I, I like that combo getting Garcia in a bounce back spot specifically for him on and the mound. You do have an Astros and, and team Astros, that's been so, yeah. smoking right-handed pitching basically over the yeah. last several weeks. That, uh, that, that is well. So that is one of the divisional matchups. That's uh, that's quite interesting that we'll look at today. Uh, by the way, the other divisional matchup, we were talking about it earlier, guardians all over the white Sox for the second straight day, three, nothing guardians. First of a double dip uh, there in the bottom of the third as they have quickly uh, gotten to uh, the White Sox and uh, and their rookie uh, there on the mound in uh, Davis Martin. Shane Bieber going today for the Guardians in game one of that double dip. But looking at some of the other uh, divisional matchups, I don't know. Like, I love Spencer Strider. He's been such a fun pitcher to watch this year. He's mm-hmm. now the favorite to win the NL Rookie of the Year. The Braves, though, they were in the $1.60, $1.65 yeah. price range, which seemed, you know, that seemed fair. I mean, at what point does this become actually value on uh, David Peterson and the Mets West? Because it's now, I mean, there's some shops minus 210. Probably probably about right now. Uh, and that said, I don't know if I really want to go against Strider. And, you know, sometimes uh, bettors can do this, and I've fallen prey to it in the past. It's like, okay, you miss a number, but you still want to bet it, so you put it in a parlay. You're still losing value yep. if you even put it in a parlay, even on a bad number. So this is one that I'm going to stay away from. Is as crazy as it is to say, a guy with a 260 ERA, the advanced numbers, Wes, actually say he's been somewhat unlucky. Mm-hmm. One, 183 fielding independent pitching. He's striking out 14 per nine. Uh, Spencer Strider, and he's coming off a, a 12 strikeout outing in in six shutout. Uh, actually, it was it was uh, two runs. There were there were two runs, but uh, unearned there. Six shutout, at least uh, on the on the earned run side there, and a loss to St. Louis. Got a no decision in that one. I look, it's not yeah, not one that I'm going to run to the window now, just because the Mets are at a plus 180 or higher price. But I uh, just just find that one interesting. Uh, and then the other, you, you look at some of these other uh, divisional matchups. We it seems like Coors Field is always uh, is always ripe for a lot of runs. The game actually stayed under by one run last night. Uh, Padres trying to crawl back into that NL West race. They found themselves eight games back west of the Dodgers heading into last night, but did get a win. Solid start from Sean Manaya there on the road. Mike Clevenger versus Austin Gomber tonight. Interesting pitching matchup there. Seeing the Padres about a dollar forty-five favorite at BetMGM. Eleven is your total. Yeah, Gomber six thirty-five on the ERA, but four ten on the xFIP. So that's one of those where you got to judge. It's like, okay, is he going to get at least a little bit of regression uh, this time around? But maybe this is where the over comes tonight. Uh, nothing really for me. It is only 11 minus 115, pretty much market wide. But uh, yeah, the Padres look, they're 12 games over 500. They're playing well, but they are slipping a little bit because when you look at the Dodgers being red hot now, 56 and 29. So Padres in some danger here of falling deeper in that race. I think the Bob Melvin acquisition as new manager has been an absolute upgrade. He's managed that pitching staff better. And quite frankly, the starting pitching has been better. They're going deeper and Gabe's obviously Musgrove, you Darvish, Mackenzie right. Gore, uh, Blake Snell did have a really good outing last time out. So that's very encouraging because he's been really the weakness in the division in that starting rotation. But this isn't one I'm looking to get involved. Not with. one West wants to get involved in and then sticking, sticking in the NL West diamondbacks and giants. This is our one of uh, now two 
over $2 favorites in, in a spot tonight. Logan Webb, who's been really, really good as of late, minus 225 at BetMGM against Dallas Keuchel, who was so awful to start the year. But then it ends up getting DFA'd. Arizona picks him up now. So Keiko goes from the White Sox to the desert. Anything you've noticed with, with Keiko since his, uh, since his return? If there to this the was leagues? going to be the run line play, I <laughs> yeah. think maybe all of the entries would have had it today. Even because money that's, run line? Yeah, that's what I think that you're going to see here. Look, Dallas Keiko on the road, 11.81 ERA. Giants offense maybe could get back on the track. Last season, they, they were great against left-handed pitching. So maybe they could continue that here. Uh, You've got, you know, a pitcher that pitches for contact against a lineup that has a majority of, of you know, lefty killers basically at the plate. So that's why I think Giants run line is probably going to get it done. I'd have to think, yes, if in our baseball betting pentathlon, that was the day. If this was run line day, mm -hmm. pretty much everybody would be uh, on the Giants run line. Anything else sticking out to us as you've uh, taken a look here at the, well, the a couple that I'm considering one would be the, uh, the uh, actually fading the red hot Seattle Mariners, because you have Chris Flexen out there. He's 99th out of 116 pitchers in major league baseball in terms of strikeout to walk percentage. Uh, and uh, you know, just a me mediocre stuff, uh, you know, low average in barrel rate and hard hit rate. So he's a weak contact guy against a Nationals lineup that actually can hit a little bit. I know they're not winning a lot of games. Washington's problem's really been their pitching. Josiah Gray, who came over in, the, in that deal at the Dodgers, actually has been okay. Still gives up a few too many home runs, hits too many barrels, but I think he has a little more upside. So maybe first five on the Washington Nationals was one I was looking at. And then do I want to do I want to fade a couple streaks here? I'm very tempted on uh, Samson with the Cubs against the Baltimore Orioles because the Baltimore Orioles, this is kind of a big game for them because if you look, they are 43 and 44. Amazing. They can get to 500 with a win tonight, and they're an underdog. I think the market is going to come in on the underdog. This is a, not to go all apple bomb on you guys here, but this is a contrarian favorite <laughs> oh for sure with the Chicago Cubs. It's one I lean to. And then uh, in terms of the favorite, I uh, was looking a little bit at Minnesota over Milwaukee. That might be a five-inning play. Uh, uh, Josh Winder has really helped stabilize the back end of that twins rotation, uh, but he might be due for a little bit of regression, but so might Jason Alexander. If you look, Jason Alexander uh, uh, over five on, on the XFIP and, uh, you know, just not doesn't really strike out a lot of guys, uh, 17 strikeouts to 15 walks in 36 innings. That's not going to get it done with you long term. So uh, would lean twins in that matchup tonight. And Peru just not playing very good baseball in general right now. I had another big bullpen meltdown as they lost. I lost this year. I don't know the last time the Brewers lost a home series to the Pirates. It seems mm -hmm. like it had been about 15 years since they actually lost a home series to Pittsburgh. But that is, a, that is the matchup for tonight. Certainly stay tuned to see what Wes actually does end up uh, submitting those for those picks. But We'll uh, have him in in a couple hours. It'll be in, in a couple hours. Right. Because Wes is a busy man. He's got long shots to record, <laughs> write an article, recording uh, recording interviews across the pond there with Brady Cannon. Uh, it's been a blast though being with you, Wes, here on the Lombardi Good Line. Good to be can't with you, to, uh, Yeah, can't wait to be back with you on primetime action on Thursday. Thanks as well to our producer, Matt Santos. As we say so long, We've got odds on him. All Shaw, Mike Palm from Circa. That's right after this. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. 
Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.